Paper Keg Roundtable episodes. Uh, I'm your host, for lack of a better term, at Jonesy Goldsbeer on the Twitter. Uh, this, of course, is the Paper Keg Podcast Comic Book Roundtable episode for the month of January 2016. Uh, if you'll allow me to take you on this ride together, you now the road goes on forever. Uh, I have two hosts. One near and dear to my heart, the other just an old friend. I'll let you decide who's who. Uh, first up, uh, our executive producer, <coughs> the A-Share Voting Right president of the Paper Keg Slim Dekit. Uh, you know him from such podcasts as uh, the Comixologist, uh, Comixology Conversations, uh, he's what we refer in the business to as a dynamo of social media success. Um, I probably didn't need to introduce him at all, but he's worth the fanfare. Uh, it's Dale. I'm sorry. It's Slim. Uh, welcome to your own show. On fire tonight. He's he's one full throttle in. Who knows? You know how much he's slipping under the table. But it's an honor to be here. You know, with writer Jonesy loves beer. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on your own program. Uh, our next host, uh, just a people's champ, uh, champion of the social media people. You may know him from such social media platforms as Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, Snapchat. Uh, Google Hangouts, Google Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got them all cornered. Peach. Uh, Peachtree.com. Uh, he's sporting uh, a magnificent beard, and I'm sorry, folks, that we're the only ones that can see it. Uh, welcome back to the program. Dale underscore A. It is great to be back for another uh, one of our wonderful monthly roundtable episodes uh, made possible by the uh, fine folks who uh, back our Patreon and uh, bless up to those guys. Uh, They make it possible. Uh, By the way, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash paper keg. If you want to uh, support the show in any way, you know, throw us a few shekels. It, uh, you can or you, you cannot. It's fine with us either way. But the the uh, the folks who make it happen make this roundtable happen. And we are uh, we are on top of our game tonight. We are one episode down with one left to go after this. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great evening. Great evening. Uh, speaking of great, uh, let's, let's run down the rules of this particular program. Uh, the meat and potatoes will come later. Let's talk about the gravy, and that's the format of this show. Uh, it's always been the format. It will always be the format. There is no dispute. Uh, we're reading three books a month. We'll discuss two in a short-form, long-form scenario. 
And then the fan favorite lightning round uh, will follow after. So let's start with uh, the one you came here to hear. And that is Slim. Let's talk about a book you read this month. How about that Suicide Squad trailer? Tom Lake Jonesy uh, took a steaming hot dump on it while sure, we're listening man. in can to we, his reaction. Can we executor produce this uh, this segment out? <laughs> uh, I did watch the Suicide Squad uh, trailer. And Slim, this does not count as one of your books, by the way. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Good I catch. love the fact that DCU is now in the movie world. And they're brave enough to bring us, you know, what I assume is their version of Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, the goofy one. Uh, you know, the trailer definitely hammed it up. Dale, what did you think? Did you finish it? I finished it, yeah. I, I thought it was a good trailer. I mean, Me too. I think it was um, it was easy, easy pickings with the Queen soundtrack. I mean, that's like kind of too easy but i really like the energy of that sound i mean i like the way the makeup the my the only thing i'm afraid of is the tone of the trailer is not going to be the actual movie mm. i'm apprehensive but i really like the trailer i was yeah. into it i thought harley, the harley quinn stuff was pretty awesome in that trailer dynamite yeah. clear that she's going to be the breakaway star i think of that film well you'll yeah, never was... see it Jenzy, because you took a <laughs> you took a, a poop I'm just saying, when I see the film, I'll probably have a different reaction. The trailer just didn't light me on fire. That's all I'm saying. Backpedaling. Live. That's sure that was a backpedal. (laughs) More just a clarification. (laughs) I I think it's cool how they're going to, I mean, they're going to make you appreciate these characters. You might have any clue who they are. I think I, I feel like I'm burned out on the, uh, famous music playing on a property that doesn't, feel like it should have this music video games do that for every gd big release ever gears of war i think maybe started it or i don't mm-hmm. know what property but battlefield has like a you know a zany music song playing that doesn't fit war or whatever it's kind of played out i also can't stand and this is not the case but when they take a pop song and slow it down to like the emoist version they can and that, yeah uh, katie and i were watching something last night and it was the Grease theme song done that way it was like better shape up cause I need a man and it's like this is not this does not match up and you making it this way doesn't help your case whatever that might Mm -hmm. be Mm -hmm. I wish to high heaven I can remember what that was in a lot of emo hate on the show right now Jonesy does not speak for the paper cake radio syndicate you know, Slim to kit. Get it right. Let's get into it right now. DC Comics. I like how you kind of took the reins back. <laughs> very very macho of you. Seven minutes in. Yeah. Seven minutes in. Uh, I think, well, it was my fault for derailing with the trailer, but I read a comic book from DC Comics. Hmm. Seems like I don't believe you. the 80s, the 90s. I don't know what decade it was, but the decade was all about Time Masters. Time travel was huge. You know, it still is. This guy uh, has developed a time machine. He's he's working in a science lab. But um, 
previous to this, he successfully created a time machine to go into the future, and the the future is so desolate that he's upset by this. And uh, he needs to create a goal for himself to prevent this future from happening. Uh, I think his name was like Rip Hunter. First name was Rip, which is probably one of the coolest names ever. Mm-hmm. Is that Hulkster's name in uh, No Holds Barred? Wasn't that Rip? Rip! <laughs> See his crippled brother in the front row? Man. And he could like barely like make out with his feeble hand the Rip symbol. <laughs> like he did it. And he was like his feeble hand was like shaking because he could barely make this sign. But it gave Rip the energy he needed to beat Tiny Zeus. I just thought of a genius idea for Los <laughs> Mediocridad, <laughs> but it's oh, just man. too too off color. You know, uh, oh. maybe, <laughs> right. maybe maybe one of those other wrestling leagues. You know, the, let's start a Patreon only episode. Yeah, we might have to keep that off color as we want to be <laughs> Patreon only. I mean, I had this idea, or maybe Jonesy's star manager, but he's maybe in this case he's a number one fan and he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> This is gold already. Gold. This is gold. <laughs> uh, the wheels are turning in my head. Okay. Oh, Concentrate. Man. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> What's that gif you tweeted of the, the wheelchair like backing up? He was so freaked out by like somebody getting drop kicked in his electric wheelchair. He like backs up. Uh, so Time Masters... Uh, he eventually gets back to his present day and he makes it his goal to create this third way of time travel because apparently you can only time travel once and it's a one-way street. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but he's buddies with Booster Gold, so I, f- I fell accidentally into a comic book with Booster Gold, even though I had a good reaction to 52, which for whatever reason we never went back to, even though we said we would. Oh, man, we got to. Um, I think Rip Hunter's in that. Are are you serious or yeah, I really, really? do. I think so. Um, so he's he uncovers something about the Illuminati, where there's obviously this shadow corporation that's been in charge of everything, pulling the strings. Uh, so he's trying to form a team uh, of time masters to prevent this future from happening. The Justice League, the the um, Justice League International era, where Batman punched Guy Gardner. I think that. That that's the team that makes the appearance in this first issue. Yeah, it actually wasn't wasn't that bad, even though it was kind of of the era and um about time travel. So I mean, it's not as which so, checks off like none of your boxes. It's not as sophisticated, I guess you could say, about modern day time travel stuff like Warren Ellis, where like your brain turns mm-hmm. turns to poop after reading it, and it <laughs> just all makes sense. Um, it was cool. I didn't. I didn't mind it. Rip Hunter. What um? What drew you towards this? Um, I Tuesdays and Thursdays are when the backlist books come out on Comicsology. Disclaimer: I work for Comicsology, so that's when I try to see if for some hidden gems. That's where I saw mm-hmm. Punisher: Born was released, mm, and we released some Innocenti Daredevil books recently. Which actually, I, I've been trying to like set aside time to read her stuff mm-hmm. but i'm having trouble like finding a good starting point like i haven't really looked to see if we have a trade that's like this is where her run started so start mm-hmm. here because it's, it's pretty heralded wow. whatever, whatever trade is fall from grace 
she picks up right after. I think we have a typhoid Mary trade. That's also very good. I got into uh, Nocenti's run because I was kind of like gobbling up all the Miller stuff. Hmm. And then uh, I really dug the Matt Murdock is like this wandering Ronin who kind of writes wrongs and has no home. And he's done it a couple times since then, but I think she's done it the best. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being Malieve Bendis, how would you rate Nocentis? An 8. Hmm. You heard it first? I don't know if I was like in a super receptive daredevil frame of mind, but I just, I, and I liked her style of writing too. It's very good. I mean, you'll, you'll enjoy it. I'm sure. I'm sure that would go up at least a plus one as soon as he finds out if Nocenti's a people person or not. (laughs) (laughs) About a creator we won't mention on the show that Jonesy met and changed his view of that person. No, their person, that person's work is still monumental. Mm-hmm. That will never change in Damn my heart. It. Dale, what book are you yearning to talk about this month? I am yearning to uh, talk about this next book, which is very fitting. You know, Snowmageddon is on the horizon. Oh my God. And, uh, you know, it's cold. It's a wintry, it's a wintry mix. We got some over the weekend, and I want to talk about the Hellboy Winter Special. Mm. I want to talk about a Mignola story and art by Tim Sale. <laughs> uh, the Hellboy Winter Special is like an anthology book, like your Dark Horse Presents. It's uh, four stories in one one shot i think there might be a couple more coming out but they're all standalone stories and this this one book has four standalone stories the first one being a uh the tim sale drawn book and the cover is gorgeous incidentally the cover is the only tim sale hellboy you get because the the story itself isn't quite about hellboy but like an ancillary thing the thing i like about hellboy is like there's all kinds of different um, mythologies kind of intertwined into his demonic kind of past. And this one rings of uh, kind of Conan, Hyperbia. How do you say that name? Hyperbia, maybe? Hyperbia, yeah. The, uh, it's very cold, and there's this uh, these two men who are like meeting in this snowy plain, talking of shamans, and uh, this one is trying to uh, resurrect the shamans to bring life to the plains and stuff. It's gorgeous, and uh, another standout uh, story is it's Christmas time, and it's all winter is is the main theme through all these books, but it's Christmas time, and. Hellboy and Professor B and Liz, a young teenage Liz before she's grown up more, is uh, trading, exchanging Christmas presents. And like they, Hellboy gets like this fake pair of antlers to put on, and Professor B gets like this rolled up map. And then they give, like, as a dual gift, they give Liz like a young lady's guide to puberty. <laughs> she like she's completely repulsed by it and thinks Only it's unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she's comp- like she's just like why? Why me? So to make it up to uh Liz, 
Hellboy brings her out into this middle of this field where he like built like 25 snowmen in a circle and it was going to be a nice little surprise and the snowmen actually get taken over by these it was very Doctor Who-ish but they kind of get taken over by these uh, kind of like demons who when they see like an empty or a shell of a snowman they will inhabit the snowman and like take over it and and uh, Liz ends up through being PO'd about everything she ends up like you know igniting the field and melting all the snowmen and then she she loves the fact that she did that and she melted it and she's like she's gonna start wearing black eyeliner and stuff like that it's a really funny cute story and the book alone is is uh was great hmm. recommended check that recommended out. to for you to curl up on a, on a cold winter's night with a new pair of long johns maybe in front of the fire or a blanket you know it's uh it's highly recommended. I mean when you when you're under thirty inches of snow mm. taking care of two kids, no wife in town, Jonesy, that's that's probably what's gonna be on the top of your list. Sure. You're gonna want to read that on an iPad or something, maybe with some sort of foam case in case you have to drop it or throw it or <laughs> or trip a toddler with it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> trip a toddler with it, right. So I guess brings us to me. Now, based on my one time reading a common writer graphic novel and reading Pluto and Akira uh, for this show, uh, I consider myself the Japanese superhero consultant mm. uh, of wow. this program. And what better way to start uh, this roundtable off on its third round than with an appropriation of Japanese property, and I'm tickling the nostalgia bone right now for Slim, I think. I read Boom Studios' The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Issue Zero. And I'll tell you what caught me is the stunning cover. It was so good, I picked up the issue. And I'm here to tell you that it wasn't bad. Uh, the story goes, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, and I a lot of, I got from, yes, he was bad in the, in the first season. And uh, he uh, breaks the mind control, and he becomes part of the team. <clears throat> uh, this book kind of tells the in-between stories, I guess, from the episodes. And Tommy is plagued by these echoes of the mind control where he manifests uh, Rita Repulsa like next to him as like an entity that like talk whispers in his ear almost, which has been done in a lot of other forms, but it's interesting to see this and what is essentially a kid's property kind of takes to like a young adult level, which I was very shocked by. You know, I thought I was going to read a kid's book, but you know, this is something different entirely with the, the IP and uh, the issue was all about how, with this psychosis in his head, uh, the Green Power Rangers making like a lot of mistakes, and uh, you know they're fighting in in their uh, robots at, like um, by a bridge, and because this Rita entity is like constantly downing Tommy, he's like very distracted. And uh, he misses a save, and they they almost have civilian casualties. Oh man! And so they're they're late. They're back at the base later, and uh, 
you know, everybody knows that Tommy screwed up, but he's like, no, like, like the controls glitched and you need to tear the robot apart and find out what's wrong with it. And it's very like the teenage part of the team really comes out. And, but we're also getting this mature ish storyline that I don't think you would see in, uh, definitely not the television property. So it was very interesting. I mean, the, the first issue doesn't come out, uh, I think till March or April. So this is kind of like, a, it's got a couple backup uh, comics that are kind of funny. One is uh, like an eight-page comedy special, and the other one is like another eight-page, you know, they, they team up and de- defeat a monster like an episode of the show. But the A story, the the first part of the issue was very entertaining. And uh, I mean, I don't know if I'll, you know, if I'm, I don't know if I'm on board to issue one, but I was quite impressed <laughs> with what I read. So if you're into nostalgia, if you like that kind of story, I think you would enjoy it. Remember how hard it was to get those Power Ranger uh, toys? I think it's still difficult, right? You still can't get them. I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, my son has not entered the age group yet and I'm, I'm kind of scared when he does because I know that stuff's big money. Well, I think now the current group of Power Rangers are like dino themed. Oh, so it's come back full circle. So it's like perfect uh, if your child is into dinosaurs. Hmm. I don't know at three, though, I would introduce that show. No, right? Maybe. No, I don't know. Might be a little too early. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then I would have to get into it, then I would be asking questions, and then there would be Wikipedia pages involved, and mm-hmm. who's that kind, who has that kind of time? Elbow deep. And it all because of that one time I read Cayman Rider. Cayman uh, Rider. Uh, is that the song? Is that the actual song? No, it's a, uh, a take on Freedom Rider. Oh. Now I By feel... traffic. I feel more stupid for no, not having Don't that. you dare. And it's back. Uh, Slim. Another book that you read. <sighs> Thanks for asking, Gen Z. Uh, I, you know, I, I stayed in the backlist area and I saw a half naked, rippling, sexy man wearing a loincloth. And it was a book called Blood Seed, number one, from Marvel Comics Frontier Comics, which I had no idea what it was, but the trade dress was so wacky that I decided to read it. And apparently it's from um, like when Marvel did Marvel UK comics for a period of time in the 90s. Um, so it's written by Paul Neary. And the name sounded really familiar. I, f- uh, I can't remember why because I didn't research it. Um, but Bloodseed follows this um, picture like Arnold from Conan in a loincloth kind of waking up in a blizzard not unlike the blizzard that's going to hit the East Coast with us very soon. Mm. And he's, he's, he's displaced. He's left his land called Dystopia, where he was you know, besieged by his lovely topless wife who was laying on top of him. Um, but he, he... In the biblical sense. <laughs> he's, he doesn't know why he's here, but he has visions of these animalistic creatures attacking him. So the 98% of the issue is like him in this kind of 90s speech inside his own head. So it was really over the top. 
Um, and he, he stumbles upon this kind of like control center that is very futuristic and kind of seemingly centuries beyond what his life was. And he sees like a gun and a mask, uh, this one creature who essentially looked like a pterodactyl that was communicating to him with mind powers. He saves the pterodactyl. They had a nice conversation. He tells him to put this mask on that is like kind of Giver. And man, love the Giver. He, David Hater, <laughs> the Giver. It's on sci fi every Saturday morning, that movie. Movies. He, um, he then continues his journey um, and is still trying to find his way into this mystery world and stumbles upon this building that he believes has the answer. And it looks like he's someone in that facility looks just like him, almost like a twin brother. And uh, he's about to go inside that building to see what's going on. But very 90s, all over the place. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of Exo Manowar as a kind of man out of time, you know, not knowing what the heck is going on around him, but not as good. But equipped with cybernetic armor. Cybernetic helmet, loincloth, mm-hmm. wrench. Giver powers. Um, just sex drive through the roof, mm. yearning for his wife. As we all were in the 90s. Sure. Sex Giver. More like sex geyser, am I right? Oh, my, that's inappropriate. Took it let's too far. Cut, let's uh, let's be on that cut post. Th- <laughs> I love how you were so accepting <laughs> of your over the top comment that you're almost disgusted with. Just bleep that out, please. <laughs> uh, so it was weird. I, I never heard, I couldn't, there's actually no wiki on Marvel Frontier. Um, but there probably is more info about Marvel UK because I remember that. I remember Death's Head being a book that I saw packaged in like the CVS Marvel three mm-hmm. packs that I was too afraid to get. So I stuck with like awful Teen Titan Hawk and Dove comics. Ooh. Do you remember the CVS used to do that? You can never really see what the third comic was. It was just in between the, the front and the back comics. I you do had, remember that. You had to like kind of poke your fingernail in between to see like if you could make out what the cover <laughs> was. I also remember, um, when Claude, Jens, you remember Claude's comics in Hatboro? I do. Then they became a cigar shop. Yeah. I remember buying a Robin package. It was like Robin 2. I guess he had like a mini series. They just called it Robin with two Roman numerals. And I was, it was like five comics for like uh, some, something cheap, like five bucks. So I was like, yeah, I can get the whole mini series. I bought it. And it was just the same comic five times. It just had like five different covers. Oh, bummer. Scam. scam i uh i the only solid memory i have of those and I, I don't think i ever returned because of this is when i remember my dad made a special trip to take me for like the death of superman like event and uh i wanted to get my first issue and uh because i was so young like they i was like oh can i get this variant and this Ren R band and like they didn't take me serious. They're like, you get you kid, you don't know how to take care of your comics. You're gonna lose that armband. And like I think I remember You're getting lose that armband. I think I remember getting some guff. And and my dad was like, What's wrong? I was like, I never want to come here again. That was <laughs> like at, I remember that memory. That was at Claude's Comics? Yeah. Do you remember com remember comics A to Z? Loved them. In the Wolf Grove Mall. And I think it turned into comics, etc. Or was Legends 
in the Le- uh, Legends mall. was in the mall and Comics Z was in the Huntington Valley shopping center. Yeah, I remember next to Eliano's Pizza. Legends used to be a store that had like a large footprint devoted to those like figurines and the, mm-hmm. and the yeah. set pieces. I want to say War- Warhammer, and they would yeah. have a um, yeah. I mean, like a super large field. footprint. Yeah, like you would have to like sometimes squeeze between people. And I don't think people even played there. It was just to like demonstrate what they had. You know what I mean? Like this, mm-hmm. these are the models you can make or whatever. It w- but it was a pretty big, it was like a battlefield. I remember that very clearly. Legends must have been a pretty like a uh, thick running chain because there was, I know of at least two Legends locations around my area too. I think there was one in Montgomeryville too. Potentially. Yeah, they were, Maybe Cherry Hill Mall too? Cherry Hill Mall. There was one in the Cumberland Mall where I, where I live near. That was during the, the heyday. Mall, maybe. Can you imagine yeah. being one of those stores during the heyday of like X Men number ones and owning like three comic shops, and then probably Ooh. like two years later, they're probably all done. Well, it, when that bubble started to inflate, people were like, "This is gonna last me all the way to retirement." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Legends was cool because they actually like cared it what they weren't trying to like they didn't like open up a retail space with like crappy old uh long boxes and just like open up almost like i remember a couple that looked just look like fly by night they were throwing open the doors and selling their return death of supermans but mm-hmm. legends had like you said the warhammer figures they they were deep into magic when magic first came out yeah they were they were they were invested in like a lot of the hobbies I feel like Comics really A to great. Z or Comics Etc. Jonesy, they didn't. I feel like they just had that rack or the the whole strip was like a really nice shelf space, but it was all for new comics. Yeah, and they had those X Men figures because I remember getting some X Men figures at that store, and it was clean. But that's like all they had. It was like one wall of this week's issue and maybe some back issues in the rack. The opposite wall was all the Marvel Legends figures. And then there was like a small counter space that was doubled as like a glass case or you could buy like a couple statuettes, but there was like no t-shirts, no, mm-hmm. apo- you know, not apocrypha, that's not the word, but no like rando stuff you could pick up for on the cheap with your comics. You know, I, so I don't know. I mean, that's probably why they didn't succeed. Yeah, in the end. I think so. And it was actually funny because um, I was driving by Brave New Worlds with Ad Amenity and I... Guess I never realized it, but Brave New Worlds doesn't really do signings. Like they don't have creators come to that store, really, do they? Every once, every once in a while, I'll see something, but uh, it's not very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think their bread and butter is what they bring in for like D and D and and Magic. They have a lot of scheduled nights that mm-hmm. people come out to, and they do that. They move a lot of merch. I will say, yeah, they're a I merch mean, heavy store. Yeah, I. Whenever I go, whenever I go in with Jack, like I have to buy something and it's never less than like $28. So, I mean, they're, I mean, good on them. I mean, Mm -hmm. George Stavsky is the owner. I think I've known him since I was like 15 when I first started reading comics. So he's still in the business, still making money. So good for him. Definitely making money to have that store in Old City, Philadelphia. The rent on that place has got to be. Oh, it's got to be astronomical. Crazy. What are we even talking about right now? The oh the only 45-minute roundtable episode we'll ever have. Dale, your second book. I, man, I don't, I'm, I'm very conflicted on which one to talk about, but 
I'm going to give uh, my second book to the very special Kickstarter-funded one-shot, Revenger is Trapped. Oh, bastard. Thank you. <laughs> um, the, uh, you. You don't have to know anything about my boy uh, Charles Forsman's Revenger, other than that she's trapped. Um, it's a 48 page amazing comic like I said it was he he uh, he attempted to rate he attempted successfully to raise funds on Kickstarter for this uh, this masterpiece of a comic and Revenger is uh, driving down the road in her what she what she uh, can get by in a car and his uh, is ambushed thrown in a pit and has to fight her way out of basically uh, uh, the family from Wrong Turn, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, very, uh, very kind of inbred, and there's definitely something wrong with them. And they want to uh, they their incl- their initial inclinations to uh, murder her were um, proven right, and they should have done it because she just starts murdering and mowing down these people. And it is 48 pages of amazing revenger conflict with this uh, this backwoods family. And it's on Comixology. You can get it on, in a, in his, uh, on his Gumroad site. through a, If you Google Charles Forsman, you can find a Gumroad. But I, I mean, I encourage you guys to just check this out if you can. It's an amazing read. Like I said, he's, uh, he did five issues before this. Um, and this is totally unrelated. It's just another one of the adventures of Revenger, and she is just a uh, a BA chick who is just out to uh, you know revenge, get the, revenge. And the elevator pitch I always come come up with is she's the one woman A team. You know, to get the A team, you had to call like a random nine hundred number and leave a message on a machine, and then they just show up. Like, Revenger yeah. is the one-woman A-team. <laughs> you know what I love about Revenger? And as you were talking, I kind of put my finger on it. And Charles Forsman does this so well. It's not very often you can have the villains of a comic be afraid of the protagonist and make it work. But whenever, and this has happened in, in the run, whenever somebody is afraid of Revenger, she's the good guy. You know, she's the protagonist. It's always accurate to be deathly afraid of her. <laughs> and it's like that never really works. Mm-hmm. Like when if the protagonist is feared, it usually turns the story on its head. But the fact that it reminds me a lot of Punisher Born, where rightfully so, you should be afraid of this person, but they're going to do the rightish thing. Mm-hmm. And I love that. That's so rarely not done right. And Revenger just kills it. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's the it's an it's an amazing book. Guy does all the work himself, and it's cool to just like don't not have to worry about you know uh, getting steeped in continuity or something. It's just like a fun book. You can just let your hair down, read the book, enjoy the action. And uh, Revenger is trapped is just like a, and like I said, it's a great one shot. You don't have to know anything like the previous five issue arc and I mean it's 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 just great stuff. Beautiful. 
Yeah. And and his and his like building world building and setting. This is kind of like he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. But Charles Forsman is able to like flex his uh, monster creating create and creativity muscles because he's just like can invent these <laughs> clearly damaged people that live in this cult who could be all related to each other and they all have like these certain quirks whether they be looks or speech patterns or whatever it's pretty amazing what was the um x-files episode where they had that like inbred family do you remember that oh yeah i remember i remember the ending pretty messing me up as a kid where like the mother was limbless and the son or like the the sons were like you know Biblical sensing. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I do not remember that episode, but the the one that always haunted me was the episode where there was like a scientist who was in like a photosynthetic accident, and if you stood in his shadow, he would essentially eradicate you. <laughs> and uh, he like lived in a train station where there was only soft light, so that. He could never cast a shadow. And I remember that being the most terrifying thing, like off the top of my head, that you could never like hug a person or like kiss your wife because mm. you would just, if God forbid the hall light came on, they would be dust. <laughs> Did you see the trailer for the new season? I have not, but uh, I hear it's pretty good. Was a uh, queen playing Bohemian Rhapsody in the background? No, yeah, it was probably, it was Hallelujah. It was a slow down version of Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> My second book, Dark Horse, thirty year anniversary, Lone Wolf and Cub, twenty one hundred. Uh oh. Mm. Uh oh. Friends, I'm sorry to say this is Lone Wolf and Cub in name only. Uh oh. Uh, it follows a Ito that is a cyborg from the future as he protects a young girl in a post-apocalyptic world where people have died due to a mysterious virus. Uh, Missing is the semi-allegorical storytelling and the stoic nature of uh, Lone Wolf that really shouldered a lot of the entertainment value of the original series. Uh, I appreciate what Dark Horse is doing here and trying to honor what came before, but there is no comparison to the greatness Idiots. of the original series. Yes, but does Ito allow woman to be brutally murdered <laughs> as to not reveal his master plan of murdering everyone five seconds later? Fortunately, no. Or unfortunately, no. As she's biblically sensed in front of him while he doesn't say anything. Classic Ito. Classic Ito. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to stick around for the second issue because it's Lone Wolf and Cub, but my hopes are not high as of yet. Uh, lightning Round, two sentences or less. Another book you read this month, uh, Slimothy Dalton. Please go. <laughs> Paper Girls. Vitamin BKV. And Cliff Chang. A love letter to the 80s movies of yore, such as Fright Night, Monster Squad, 
end first sentence. If you love the 80s, you should read Paper Girls. Hmm. 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 The Secret Wars tie-in Planet Hulk, number one. (laughs) That is the sound of lightning, by the way, dear listener. A gladiator named Steve Rogers is recruited by Battleworld's god, Doom, and his apprentice, Doctor Strange, to take out the Red King of Greenland to trade for information of Bucky Barnes. The gladiator, Captain America Steve Rogers, will only do this if they allow him back his battle partner, Devil Dinosaur. Del Mundo on art. Mic drop. God, Del Mundo. I feel like we were just, that whole thing was just to get us a Devil Dinosaur. (laughs) Star Wars, The Adventures of Obi-Wan and Anakin, issue one. If you liked... The Clone Wars TV show. <clears throat> this book is for you. Obi-Wan and Anakin travel to a world and have an adventure uh, on a planet where steampunk is the rule of the day and they play on Zeppelin-like airships. Okay, that's it. Another successful... Lightning noise filled episode <laughs> of the Paper Cake Roundtable. Uh, we love reading comics every month. Uh, our dear friends at Patreon made it happen, you know, brought us back, and here we are reporting to you what we loved this month. And hey, maybe you like Paper Cake enough to report for us by giving us a five-star iTunes review. Maybe you want to talk about exec producer to the stars, Slim, head of the Slimdicate, or maybe you just want to gush about Dale like we all do. Enjoy. Uh, We'll see you next month. The Cayman Rider. That was pretty on point.